welcome to episode 99 of the Never Ending Glory podcast. I'm your host, Luke Grilly. I'm here back tonight with both Sean Z and Farky. And gentlemen, there's a lot going on in the NEG pod world. All three of, us, three of us have something to be excited about. Me mainly about the Red Sox winning yet another World Series, fourth time since 2004. And you guys are probably almost as excited, if not more excited, because Hugh Jackson, he gone. The, the, the long national nightmare, the two and a half years of just the, bra- the black cloud over Cleveland is gone. Hugh Jackson has been fired from the Cleveland Browns. Along with him goes uh, head uh, offensive coordinator Todd Haley. The team is now left to Greg Williams. So, Fark, you'll hear your thoughts shortly, but I know Sean Z has been waiting months and months and even years for this to come out. So, Sean, take it away. Tell me your thoughts. Um, euphoria uh, mixed with a little bit of Hennessy with uh, Todd Haley gone as well. But Greg Williams is still there. Um, and Jimmy Haslam's still our owner. So who knows at this point um, what he can conjure up. He did also keep Hugh Jackson and run him into this utter debacle with Haley and this whole situation that's played out that is only coming out more and more how ugly it was. I do find it fascinating. And we're going to, during the bye week with the Browns coming up or as we get near it, uh, do, do get a state of the Browns, that Hugh has not yet as of what the hell Wednesday evening put out a statement of any way, shape or form, thanking the fans, the city or the organization customary for every single terminated coach to do in some way, shape or form as well. Um, That's a testament to how Hugh is. He's not only the worst NFL coach of all time. He's also the worst in handling getting shit canned of all time for somebody that is epically bad. Farky. He never won a road game for us. Never. Oh, yeah. and 20. And this prick has the audacity <laughs> to, like, gallivant around like he's unfairly terminated when he had talent. I'm not saying they should have won more than, like, three, four games. They definitely shouldn't have went one in 31 heading into the season. His ass was on borrowed time, and time's up, bitch. <laughs> Farky. Take it away. Yeah, that's that's about the best you could do to summarize him. He was an absolute duster, dumpster fire from start to finish. And the best part is, anything that you look at on Twitter, any of the uh, any of the professional journalists that are it, it have any semblance of protection for what happened to him are just insane. You can't defend any of it. They've they've talked about his eight and eight season in Oakland. Sean's got all kinds of information about what a fire that whole situation was. People don't know the the first about that. So you can even take it back to then when he supposedly had success. But I'm I'm just as interested in how Greg Williams, defensive ex-defensive coordinator Greg Williams, is approaching this entire situation. All I can see and, and picture and hear in my head when I think about him being head coach is him just sitting there saying it's about damn time. Look at all these jobs that I, that I had thrown in my face. I just had to (laughs) sign on the dotted line and guess what he gets week one as the head coach at the helm, the Kansas city chiefs. Yeah. This prick gets to get boat raced. So I don't have to hear him talking all that shit come Monday, but I got a sneaking suspicion. He still will. Cause that's how that cat's wired. It don't matter. We're two out of three, and the third's coming soon enough, and his idiot kid. <laughs> so it's a new era in Cleveland yet again. Um, you know, it seems like in, in New England we've won, I think it's 11 championships in the past 18 years. You guys have gone through how many head coaches in the past 
20 years. I think just about the same amount. So, again, the same type of euphoria uh, that, that I get when we win a championship, you get when you guys move on to a new head coach. Uh, Sean, we did a roundtable pod over at NEG, uh, our roundtable article at www.negpodcast.com. Uh, we mentioned a few different candidates that you think could be options for the head coaches. Why don't you uh, let the listeners know who you think could be on the Browns' radar coming up in 2019? Uh, so college ranks, Lincoln Riley, Matt Campbell, uh, Iowa State. Um, and then I think in the NFL ranks, I think Zach Taylor, quarterback coach for the Rams, works closely with Sean McVay, kind of a young protege similar, similar to his track. Uh, John Filippo is another guy. He was a previous offensive coordinator for the Browns. And there will be another run-of-the-mill bunch of names to go along with that. The Kansas City special teams coach is out there. I think his last name is Tob. I can't remember his first one. The problem with that is, is every decision, and we'll get into this more and more, has to be centered around what's best for Baker Mayfield and, and an offensive team that can score points and kind of get up and down the field. And then you can get a diamond dozen of these Greg Williams types um, you know, from anywhere. So I, I think that becomes the focus or the, or the, the challenge ahead, and um, you know, we'll see what shakes out. I don't think they've really even looked yet. So it's way too early to start you know, attaching – um, you know, stone cold locks to some of these things, or or where fits make the most sense. Who, who do you yeah. want? Who do you want if it's if it's in within reason? Um, I would say I'm intrigued with Lincoln Riley. NFL wise, I'm probably more intrigued with Zach Taylor just because I've seen enough of the other guys not to know or to know some of their deficiencies. Um. But I don't know how he interacts in a room and how he interacts with people. Part of McVeigh and what makes him special is is how he deals with people, and just because someone's young and checks the box, like that's how we end up with an Eric Mangini, you know, as a Belichick disciple, and yet he doesn't have, you know, the the jewelry to be able to kind of slap it on a table and and be a prick like Belichick does, but he does it in a way that he's consistent. Mangini wasn't, and we had that disaster for two, three years. So it just depends. And a lot of a, a lot of Belichick disciples did that. I mean, remember when McDaniel's went to Denver and right away he tried to kind of kick in the door and say, "I'm Belichick Jr." and that ended very poorly for him. So, um, but yeah, like I said, uh, interesting to see how that all works out. Obviously, um, we're we're a few months away from finding out who the Browns will peg as their new head coach. I think the if somehow Greg Williams goes. You know, wins four or five games, and he somehow gets that coaching job. That will just just really increase the the, the entertainment value of our chat chain. Because I'm sure you guys would be very thrilled with that decision. But um, as always, uh, exciting times for Cleveland will be in the off season. It looks like, and um, Reggie put it perfectly on the chat the other day that you know this is kind of what you guys live for, and this is what you're used to. So, um, yeah, sorry, I'll be I'll be cheering for my squad and. and in the winter, so, um, but hey, let's talk about what happened in the draft. I'm sorry, in the trade deadline on Tuesday. Tuesday at four o'clock was the deadline for uh, drafts to get finished for the season. That's uh, a great segue there, Luke. Congratulations on that one. Um, for once, the NFL is actually pretty exciting. We saw two former Pro Bowlers move on to other teams, and we also saw uh, a former first-round pick, defensive lineman, get traded to the Rams. And, uh, of course, uh, a top safety uh, go from the Packers to the Redskins 
So let's talk about those two defensive players first because they don't have a huge fantasy impact, but they do have an NFL impact. Um, Dante Fowler to the Rams for a third-round pick. Former number three overall pick now gives the Rams some sort of pass rush, which is the one thing they were lacking on their defense. Sean, what do you think this move does for the Rams, the 7-0 Rams moving forward? I think it improves their defense a little bit uh, as far as situational pass rush, third down, uh, anything past four or five. Uh, Dante Fowler's got to stay healthy, um, so that's a huge risk or gamble. So if you're counting on him, you got to watch out there, um, you know. And I think the Rams obviously know that. So I, I, I don't make a big hoo ha about this. I, I actually don't think Clinton Dix is that good. Uh, I just think he went to Bama and people know him. But when you look at some of the ratings and things like that, like there's there's some kind of discrepancies with with actually you know he misses quite a bit of tackles i'll put it this way i watched the packers and i i liked their couple rookies i wasn't sitting there like man haha is so great he's landing collins i never felt that way Mm -hmm. well the one thing about clinton dixel i thought was interesting was still aren't the packers getting worse they're hurting their starting lineup by trading a guy who pro football focus has as a top five safety and now you're trading him yeah, but see, the problem with pro football focus, I don't know that they – you don't know what he's supposed to always be doing. And when they chart that, if he's going off on his own, this is where – this is where um, – why, why the Pats traded Jamie Collins, and it's the right. issue that the Browns are having with Jamie Collins, is he's great one game, and then mm-hmm. the next game you can't trust him to be in spots that he needs to be or doesn't make enough plays. So I, – I, I'm a little leery of that type of stuff. I think analytics with football, particularly on some of those ratings, are really difficult to do. That's fair. Well, one of, and one of the one of the things I saw with him is that they do take into account, um, you know, games played, and he's never missed a game, so that factors into his value. I know with the way they grade players out. Uh, I agree with Sean. He's he's a little too aggressive at times. I think he takes too many risks, and it does come back to bite him. Um, he'll he'll help them maybe in the back end of that secondary from time to time, but as far as you know, being a a mid range defensive player and coming up and consistently making tackles, he doesn't do that real well. That's where I'm at with him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now he my... replaces a guy that's a stiff, so it actually and Washington secondary is not bad, um, mm-hmm. and Swearinger's really good, so he'll he'll get kind of shielded a little bit and might be reinvigorated. So they might get a boost over six games, but it's not like this guy is someone that's going to sign a three year type extension and be a stud for them. Yeah, I just hate the idea that people say, well, they had to sign him to big money. And the same thing happened with Jamie Collins, too. Everybody said, well, the Patriots get to sign him or Chandler Jones or Dante Hightower. So they got to trade one of them. Well, you don't have to trade him in the, in, during the regular season. You let him walk because if the Packers got a third-round pick for him, if they let him walk, they would have got a fourth-round pick yeah, here's the, the next problem. draft. Yeah, you get it the next draft, though. Right, and sure. No, you, if that's you're, fine. You know, you... I think that there's a reason for – that's the Golden Tate thing too. Detroit was like, well, we just want to get this now um, and strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, but I disagree with that strategy completely if you're a team that's vying for a playoff spot. And especially yeah, but if, if you feel like you can replace them at 85%, 90%, it does make a lot of sense. Okay, so for Clinton Dix, it's fair, but but now let's pivot over to the, uh, to the Lions. Just because Marvin Jones has his standard – 100-plus yard game, two touchdowns, and then he's going to disappear for the rest of the season like he does every single year. That now says you can trade Golden Tate when you're a game out of a playoff a playoff spot. Um, you know, is, with Detroit is, is moving Detroit, Is Golden Detroit going to win the NFC East? 
No, but or the uh, NFC, NFC North. No, they they're probably not going to win, but they they have a very good shot at making the playoffs for sure. I think absolutely they should. Now this feels like if you're going to be an eighth seed, I mean, they're, they're, those there's four or five juggernauts in the NFC, and Seattle just kicked their ass and is sneaky good actually. Um, yeah. So I I don't know. I actually I applaud Detroit for not being the eighth seed in in the NBA and saying I'll take another ping pong ball. Yeah, I, I disagree with that strategy completely. I say you get into the playoffs and, and you find out what happens. But if that's if that's your goal and, and you say you're looking at the Rams, um, the Seahawks just beat you, that's fair. Uh, you're saying that we're not going to beat teams like this, then then so be it. But I just think that you're kind of giving up on the season, and that can't make the, the locker room very happy. And, and, and with a first-year coach like Matt Patricia, as we just said, Belichick disciples kind of come in and try to rule the roost. Um, I think that having that that iron fist is could be a huge challenge. Now, maybe Golden Tate was one of those guys who wasn't happy with how Matt Patricia ran uh, preseason and how he ran training camp, and Patricia's have been looking for a way to get rid of him. There are rumors that the Patriots were interested in Golden Tate and Demarius Thomas. Who knows if those are actually true? Um, but the fact is that he still has been their number one receiver for the past three years, he had a huge target share this season, getting 10 targets a game. And now you're losing that, and now you're relying on Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, uh, Brandon Powell all of a sudden is, is a big name in, in uh, fantasy leagues. And, and Matthew Stafford takes a huge hit. So, obviously, Carryon Johnson has, has kind of gone a little bit better, uh, had a larger role the past few weeks in the running game, so maybe we see him continue to grow in that role. But I think it just really hurts our wide receiver core in, in a in a division that you're going to need good offense because you're going against the Packers, you're going against the Vikings. So that's my thoughts. Farky, do you have any additional thoughts on, on uh, any of the, the Golden Tate or even go back to Ha Index? Regarding Golden Tate, I like, I like Golden Tate a little better than Marvin Jones. I guess I would say kind of to, to what Sean's defending about going ahead and releasing him, I think that Marvin Jones is good enough to wear – he can pick some of that up now. I, I just think they weren't even targeting Matt Stafford. Just had a tendency to favor Golden Tate, and the, the odd man out in that situation this year has been Marvin Jones. So I don't think it's necessarily that Marvin Jones has slipped. I think he's going. Some of that's going to come back to him now. So I don't necessarily hate it. Yeah. Again, just the thing with Marvin Jones is he 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 streaks he's a very streaky player he's a stud one week and then he's a bum for three to four weeks and that's that's what we talked about heading to the draft and and sean knew that uh after we talked about it and, and even <laughs> even then you weren't happy when he made that pick but uh yeah i, I just don't agree with the strategy personally uh, i think that if you want to let him walk you let him walk and you take that fourth round co- compensatory pick in the 2020 draft um now instead you're going to be getting a third round pick in the 2019 draft is that worth the the trade-off so be it. But uh, another big move, uh, which I think actually made a lot more sense because the Broncos, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. They traded Demarius Thomas to the Texans, who had just lost Will Fuller to a 20 ACL, uh, for a third-round pick. And I think they swapped seventh-round picks as well. Or maybe it was a fourth-round pick. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think I wrote it down. But They uh, switched sevenths, and, and it was a fourth. Right. Okay, so... Demarius, who has really struggled this year, uh, is having one of his worst seasons as a pro, averaging four and a half catches and uh, 50 yards a game with about half a touchdown. So he's about to finish with uh, about eight touchdowns. 
he just really has not looked like the player he was before. Emmanuel Sanders has really overtaken the role as the number one receiver alpha dog in that offense. Now Demarius Thomas heads over to Houston, and oddly enough, Houston's traveling to Denver to play this week, so Demarius isn't going to go anywhere anytime soon. Uh, Farky, what is your take on this trade, not only for fantasy purposes, but how do you think Demarius Thomas bounces back after this trade? I think it's a great fit for him, and for as much as we've hammered John Elway with his his quarterback decisions and the risks he's taken on some of these draft picks, I I kind of applaud him for for pulling the trigger on this because a lot of people look at it, you know, with the history that Thomas has had over the last four years or so and say, oh my gosh, how can you get rid of this guy? Well, to your point, he's he's shown a decline because they're trying to incorporate Portland Sutton into that offense, and it's obvious now they're making a commitment to him. Uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders kind of stays the same, maybe gets a, a little bit better statistically, but they're they're obviously going to just replace him with Portland Sutton. Now, over in Houston, he's a great fit. And for anybody owning Demarius Thomas, it's it's they're probably clapping their hands because now they can probably look for something closer to the numbers Emmanuel Sanders is getting over in Denver. So to be able to get some type of value for him here where there is an obvious decline in that offense and where they've invested in the draft pick this last year, I think it's a good move for both sides. Sean, yeah, I'm not – I'm Thomas. a Demarius Thomas I, – I, I'm not clapping. Uh, I've I've just been basically clenched fish fish <laughs> since I've seen him this year. He's slow. His legs are delayed. He doesn't catch the ball explosively as much anymore. I actually agree though, Farky. I think this is a good spot. I think he's going to command a little bit of respect, and I think Washington or Watson is going to be able to kind of give him a little bit of a boost. And pe- playing next to Hopkins is going to really help him. So uh, it'll be curious to see how he acclimates. I don't think he's a terribly good start, um, to be honest, though. Uh, and I don't really feel like, you know, if you're going to have him, he, his time to shine may be in the playoffs, um, you know, assuming they can they can make it. Because I think the Colts are actually charging pretty hard uh, in that division. Yeah. So I'm, I don't I'm put a, a lot of stock. I think it's great for Sutton. I think it's good for for even uh, Deshaun Hamilton for the future years from a dynasty perspective. I think Denver's finally resetting. Vance Joseph's going to get shit canned, and they know they got to figure out the quarterback position. I'm not a fan of receivers or really anybody uh, being traded midseason. Take a look at Amari Cooper. Well, we'll see what happens with Amari Cooper this They're week. They're going to force Cooper he... the ball. That's the one caveat. I don't know that it's going to be good, but like they are going to force him the ball to justify – what a first round pick, yeah. What the hell they did. I still don't like it. Um but I will say this if if Demaris can get going with that offense, I agree with both of you. I think that he will be um have a role this season in fantasy. I don't think it's gonna happen this week. Fortunately, week ten, the uh Texans have a bye. So that means that he'll have another week to get acclimated to the offense. Allow him and Deshaun Watson get on the same page. I think you're going to start to target week 11, week 12 as weeks that you can trust Demarius Thomas in your lineup. Uh, and, and hopefully he can get back to that wide receiver two production because, you know, you know, Sean, to your point, he has not looked explosive whatsoever this year. Maybe he's rejuvenated with uh, the, the young, exciting offense. Maybe he plays better in domes. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. We'll see. Uh, but it can only get better going from Case Keenum, who is a borderline rosterable player in the NFL to Deshaun Watson, who looks like he's really starting to get over that torn ACL and turning back into the player that we saw before he got hurt last season. And if that's the case, you know, great fit for him. And um, 
hopefully he can kind of resurrect his career a little bit because he has been on the downswing ever since Peyton Manning uh, stopped taking HGH. So, uh, last guy, we got, uh, very allegedly, yes. Uh, last guy we got to talk about real quick. Not a big name, but Farky, again, this will be close and near and dear to your heart. Buck, or not Buck Allen. Uh, Buck Allen has some um, competition in Baltimore now with Ty Montgomery being traded from the Packers to our Ravens and uh, Harbaugh, the guy that we love to hate. Uh, any any thoughts on Montgomery going to the Ravens now? Yeah, I may disappoint you here because I, I don't have a, a ton of stuff on it. I don't think it changes much of anything. I think Buck Allen pretty much loses his spot here. Ty Montgomery picks up some of those third down back duties. It, it doesn't really matter. Alex Collins had another 11-yard rush game last week. Um, that's kind of where Harbaugh has settled in here. He doesn't really follow uh, any any standards from week to week with what happened. He's kind of got already got it made up in his mind what he's going to do throughout the game, who he's going to give the ball to in what situations, and I don't think it changes much. Okay. So uh, I don't want to take too much time on Ty Montgomery because he really has turned into nothing more than a, uh, a guy that should be dropped in on your fantasy football yeah, team. Yeah, sucks. But I, was hope, I was hoping to get a rise out of Farkey with the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. There. I get a rise and for Ty Montgomery. Take a knee and let me get Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adam point pounds so I don't lose the <laughs> dynasty by two points because you're, you're, you're such a prick, a glory hog prick, that you want to get out to the 27-yard line. You're a loser. I'm glad you're in Baltimore, and I hope you're bagging groceries in a month. Okay, that's what I was waiting for. All right, uh, week nine, we have some buys going on. Arizona, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, the Giants, and Philadelphia. So a couple of big-name players. It means no Odell Beckham, no Saquon Barkley, uh, no Andrew Luck, T.Y. Hilton, Zach Gertz, uh, no Carson Wentz, A.J. Green, et cetera, et cetera. You get it. So let's talk about some players that will help you this week in week nine of the NFL in fantasy football season. In the first game, the Thursday night game, I don't think there's going to be many of those guys, fellas. Uh, Oakland Raiders at San Francisco 49ers. This game is going to suck. I try to watch, you know, just about every single football game because I am a fantasy football degenerate. I have a problem. I know that, and I'm totally fine with it. But I don't think I'm watching this game because I do not want to watch Nick Mullins or Tom Savage play quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers while C.J. Beathard is nursing a wrist injury. It's going to be that bad. Other than Jalen Rashard, Sean, is there anybody to even talk about with this game? George Kittle. I actually don't know who Nick Mullins is. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't I, either. I knew they signed Tom Savage. I just figured he would play. I don't I don't have a bloody clue. And here's the thing. I'm not going to bother to care because this is another guy that sucks, and he's not worth my time. So Nick Mullins went to Southern Miss and actually went to Hoover High School so I wonder if he was on that TV show on MTV that one time. I don't, know. I don't watch MTV. I I'm not 15 <laughs> with, um, you know, braces. I don't watch MTV. I have a life. Hey, Two Days, two days was a great show back in the, in the mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed that. So, all right, let's move on to the next game then, because at least this one we can have something to talk about. Atlanta Falcons are visiting Washington to play the Redskins. And, gentlemen, he's 33 years old, but he keeps it going on. Adrian Peterson, 1,350 rushing yards. That's what he's on pace for. 290 carries at 4.5 yards per carry. If you take out two dud games where one game he had like six rushing yards, the other one I think he had 30, he'd be on pace for 1,800 rushing yards for the season. Farkey, how long can this guy keep it up? Well, I look at it like this. First off, he's 
phenomenal. Athletically, physically, he's just on another level. He's a freak. And if you watch anything or pay attention to anything off the field of what he does in the offseason, he's got some of those Jerry Rice tendencies where this guy just grinds in the offseason. He's had to. He tore his ACL and all this other stuff. But I look at him as closer to 30 than 33 with his body. You take away the last year and a half, two years almost or so, has about 150 carries, and then he had the, the missed season with the ACL. But um, it, regardless, I'm not going to take anything away from the guy. It's just it's phenomenal because you look back at his years in Minnesota, and we're talking about you know still where teams were throwing the ball all the time and really starting to open up the offenses five years or so ago. He was still packing eight, nine in the box, and the guy has averaged over four and a half yards of carry for his entire career every season mm. except for you know his half season last year. So. I would say you get another probably two years out of him. It, it, it really, really good productivity. It's amazing. It's, he's easily one of the top five backs of all time. I just don't know what team it's going to be on because they got guys coming back, and I don't think he'll be a Redskin next year. But he I never he never should have been a free agent this year when Deshaun Watson turned around and looked who he had in the backfield. And the, you know, there's countless other examples and teams and. Jarek McKinnon got paid what he got paid, and you could sit there and just deal with a AP and Brita two-headed monster. It would have worked out a hell of a lot better. So, um, yeah, I, it's going to be curious. I think he's just going to kind of be this mercenary for hire. But, yeah, I think two, three years makes a lot of sense. He's just got to kind of find a spot where he can just settle in and maybe kind of, you know, just feed off of that for a couple years and and right now he's playing a ton of snaps i didn't think he could physically play this many um coming in and banged up like he is and and he obviously he obviously cares about playing football which is i would say somewhat unique in today's world with these massive amounts of money these guys make all joking aside about having the season off beat this kid um he didn't he didn't obviously he didn't come back a nobody he was doing something and He's in the same form as he was back then. So, yeah, it's really incredible. I had a bit of a little technical malfunction there. Not sure what happened, but I'm back. Um, so, Adrian Peterson, I, I heard you guys finish up. The guy's a stud, physical beast. I see no reason why. I mean, I think eventually he's going to break down. Just he did it last season with the Saints uh, or with the Cardinals. He, he ended the season on the injured reserve. I just have a hard time believing that he can keep up this RB1 production. Uh, I, I hope that's not the case because I did pick him up for cheap in a dynasty league, and he's been my number two running back all season. Um, but I, I think the big name in this in this game is going to be Julio Jones, and Sean, will he finally score a touchdown? Will he finally score a touchdown? Uh, here's what I'll say about this game. Atlanta's got to come out. If they win the toss, they should take the ball. They should try and get score up. Washington's got the ability with their offense to literally be on the field for 40 minutes. Um and I do think Atlanta can give Washington fits in the secondary with Julio, Ridley, Hooper, Sanu. Like they, they've got some real options there. And yeah, I'm going to keep saying, yeah, he's going to score and he's going to keep not scoring and it's going to continue to piss me <laughs> off. But it is what it is. At this point, you know, it, it has to happen sooner or later. So the, the he's not going to go through a season without scoring and then get, you know, 2100 yards receiving so i think a big game for julio and i do think he makes it in the end zone all right uh next game fellas we have chicago bears at the buffalo bills nathan peterman is back da concussion he is going to be out this week um 
the Nathan Peterman show continues. I got the Chicago Bears. I picked them up once they drafted or once they traded for Clomac. They're my favorite defensive start this week. Uh, I like Tariq Cohen. I'm not too sure what's going to be going on with Allen Robinson. He missed last week with a groin injury. Uh, Anthony Miller hasn't been consistent. Trey Burton has not been consistent. That means Trubisky has not been consistent either. So outside Chicago D and um, Tariq Cohen, Farky, is there anybody that you like in this game? There's nobody that I would put as a as a star in this game, no other than the defense. I'm, I'm going to have to rely heavily on Trey Burton, uh, Jordan Reed in that same same league. And, again, we bitched about him and talked about it last game. They had 11 or 12 targets to him, 38 yards. So I just can't trust him. I have to hope they go back to Trey Burton and I can get a pop out of him. So I'm rolling the dice with him. Um, LaShawn McCoy, oddly enough, I watched a lot of that shit show last week. And although he was hit basically every time he was handed the ball off in the backfield, he showed some, some sparks of some speed and some agility and some quickness. So I, I saw some things I liked out of him, but their line is so bad. I don't know if you can take the risk of really buying into it. But other than that, I, I don't see anybody in this game that's going to The only thing about LaShawn McCoy last week was the Bills were just so gimmicky to start the game uh, just to try to to score quickly on the Pats. And once they ran out of tricks, they went back to their, their normal bullshit, uh, terrible offense. And now – you know, with with Nathan Peterman at quarterback, I think that that limits them even more. So, you know, right to your point though, Lashawn looked quick. He looked fast at times, which I did not expect. So I have not seen that all year, and he finally showed that. Um, I still I can't trust Lashawn whatsoever. Uh, I will not be starting him. I will also not be starting newly signed Terrell Pryor. Um, so he's still in the NFL, which is very surprising. I guess my point is is. It, People look, people look at his numbers this year and think he sucks. It is that yes. team. If he were in a different mm-hmm. situation, he, he does. Uh, yeah, he's got a little. He's got a burst. He was dinged up a little earlier. I agree. I, I've got him. I thought mm-hmm. he looked sharp, but it's not worth it. And I, we should never talk to Earl Pryor again. We got to move on. <laughs> if we're doing that, this will be a six-hour pod. All right, Detroit Lions at Minnesota Vikings. Sean, is this the week that Adam Thielen finally finishes with less than hundred yards receiving? Uh, no. Nah, this is like the the reverse <laughs> of the Julio. No, he's gonna. You keep saying he's gonna get a hundred until he doesn't. Um, uh, broke the record. Yeah, I think uh, I think he gets another hundred. They find ways to move him around. I think it's tough for for a guy just to guard specifically him. And I don't still don't think enough teams respect him enough to really game plan shutting him out of a game. So. Um, mm-hmm. I think even you know, he can be putting along there three for 48 or something in fourth quarter and he gets three catches and he's 96 and then another one and he's over the century mark. So, um, no, I think I think he continues it and he's got to prove otherwise. So, Farky, Sean mentioned that teams, they, they don't respect him whatsoever. So do you think Darius Slay, the Lions' number one cornerback, lines up on Stephon Diggs this week or Adam Thielen? Diggs. He gets it every and, week. Right. And so what at what point do you think that they're gonna to start to finally say, All right, maybe we should maybe we should key on it on Thielen? I, I wouldn't take anything away from Thielen either. I think if, if he draws a matchup like that, I think he still can be close to producing those same numbers. The the odd thing with Stefan Diggs is they, they still targeted the hell out of him in six of the past seven games, even with those matchups that he had. Um, it's just 
you know, some of the deep balls that they take risks on with him is where he misses out on some of those catches where Thielen's in more of a safe zone, where I think he's still going to run those safe zone routes even with those those top defenders. So I, I don't think much changes, to be honest with you. Okay. Sean, Detroit Lions, we mentioned they traded Golden Tate. Do you think now that Matthew Stafford is a QB1, or are you looking for another option if you have him as your starting quarterback? No, he's week? still QB1. I mean, if, if if he's your QB1, you you probably got a nice roster because you didn't take quarterback in the first six, seven rounds. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I mean, you, you just keep riding him. Uh, I, don't, I don't see any issue. I, I don't love the matchup because I actually think with Griffin back and Vikings maybe starting to piece some things together um, defensively from a team that's – been very very underperformed throughout the year thus far so i think that is something to watch but um you know if you got him you got to play him where are you guys at with kyle rudolph uh (laughs) if you got him you got to start him uh but expect a goose egg i don't i actually think it's just as much cousins too like Uh, it's just so spotty sometimes yeah, I guess, but at the same time, I think that with Diggs and Thielen, they're getting 20 targets between the two of them, and I just don't think that leads a lot for, for Rudolph. And you got to rely on the red zone for him because Thielen's not really a red zone threat, nor is Diggs. So Rudolph is kind of just the third option, and it just so happens that the top two options are targeted more, and there's just some games where he disappears. And, you know, it's frustrating, but, uh, you know, Rudolph has never really been – He's had like last year he flashed. He had a pretty pretty damn good season with Case Keenum at quarterback, and that was kind of unexpected. And that was that was his ceiling. And I think what happened was is we went into the season really overvaluing him. That's why, and I really didn't want to target him anywhere in drafts because his value was is a seventh eighth round pick, and I just didn't see any sort of return on investment there. So I think maybe we just expected too much of him, and he never really has been that guy. And that's my thoughts on it. That's fair. All right, uh, Kansas City Chiefs at Cleveland Browns, fellas. You get five minutes. Have at it. <laughs> There's not five. I, I, Fergie, if you want to talk <laughs> for five minutes, there's not much I want to talk about for five minutes. Um, hopefully, we get up and down. We put some points up, and it's entertaining. I do not expect anything inside two touchdowns, and I've already bet it. No, there's no way. I agree, and this is that's why I said. That I fear Greg's going to ugly it up and play so like three-yard cloud of dust type bullshit and try and protect Baker and all that nonsense and try and get to the fourth quarter and we're going to get to the fourth quarter and Baker's not even going to have to play. Yeah, and that's it's not going to be, I don't think, because of a performance thing on his end either. So it, that's a great point, Sean. If you have Baker Mayfield, maybe you have him as a backup, as a bye week. Like I had to start him last week. Uh, maybe you don't start him because of that point. But I actually think when he does play, when he's on the field, he's going to be serviceable. So barring a blowout, I'm looking for him to have a pretty good game. Um, I've seen him in a lot of different rankings. People making comments on him that he's a bust play this week. I, I don't agree with that. Unless, to Sean's point, he's not playing in the fourth quarter. I just don't trust Greg Williams. So, you guys suck. <laughs> who's, calling the play, who's calling the plays there in Cleveland? Freddie Kitchens. Uh, the guy that is like this bald-headed guy that looks like an absolute drunk. And he probably is. Who knows? I would be if I had to work. If I had to work with those three stooges, you know how big of an alcoholic I would be if I had to report up through, not like even directly. Oh my god, I had to sit in a meeting with Hugh Jackson. Oh my god, I'm dead serious. I rewatched. I rewatched the scene from uh, Hard Knocks. I'd be Scott McClanahan. I would be drunk all the time at the facility. (laughs) 
the, the scene from Hard Knocks where Haley is saying, we got to make these guys tougher. And, and, and Hugh's like, you know, I've, you guys haven't sat in my seat before. I've sat in your seat. You haven't sat in mine. It's just like, oh, God, this guy's such an idiot. It's just, And they're both idiots. I mean, both him and Haley are idiots. And it's just, uh, oh. So what do we make? What do we make of the Tyree Kill groin injury, or Tyree Kill? I, I, I wouldn't I, play him. I, There's no need. They're going to still beat us. I wouldn't play him. But Andy Reid done. This is where Andy Reid gets a little trickier, too cute for himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from a fantasy standpoint, you have to play him. You almost you can't sit the guy unless he's out. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes has been putting up 30-plus points a game per, se- per game. Uh, that should continue, but if if the, the Chiefs go up big and will they bench him in the third quarter, sit him in the third quarter? I, I don't know, probably not. I mean, I think if you have the, the skill guys for the Chiefs, you continue to play them. Uh, the, the groin injury, obviously, for a speedster like Tyreek Hill can be a concern. Um that could be a, it's a soft I'll tissue say injury. I'll this thing. The crowd, for as up. hyped it has been the last couple home games, I think it will be incredibly, like, subdued. And it's not in mourning for Hugh Jackson. It's more of just, like, <laughs> exhaustion from the same shit over mm. and over. Well, I'll say it one more time, too. As, as Browns fans that hate Greg Williams, this couldn't be a better spot for him to have to walk in as a defensive expert into this Chiefs offense. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, Bill signed Matt Barkley, so their their quarterback situation set. If you ask me, um, God, how's that guy still in the NFL? All right, uh, New York Jets at Dolphins, fellas. There's a lot of suckiness on this on this uh, schedule this week. Um, we got more Brock Osweiler, so we have Sam Darnold at Brock Osweiler. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not gonna start anybody in maybe Danny Amendola, uh, just because he might throw for another touchdown like he did last week. I guess. Uh, that game kind of sucks, so I just want to move on to Pittsburgh at Baltimore. NFC North matchup. This could be a week. You know, we saw Juju Smith-Schuster not put up big numbers last week. Uh, ben Roethlisberger on the road against a tough Ravens defense. Farky, any concerns starting any of the skill players from the Steelers this week against Baltimore? Where are they at? They're in Baltimore, right? They're in Baltimore, yep. Yeah, I think, I think Big Ben's probably – a risk start. We've talked about him on the road. Now, is this a primetime game? Because we've also talked about him in a primetime spot. Not a, I don't think it's a primetime game. No, 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 then no, I, no, it's not. Okay, then I'd be a little concerned about Big Ben. Uh, I think Connors is still going to play well. Uh, they're just obviously treating him as if he's Le'Veon Bell, so I trust him. Uh, you have to start Antonio Brown, but other than that, no, I don't non-primetime game on the road against the rivals in Baltimore. Great defense, no. Which Baltimore team shows up? Jekyll and Hyde. True. Uh, home team, home game. They're awful on the road. The Ravens. When you look at the, all the stats, um, they'll probably play great this week. So expect a a seventeen thirteen type just bloodbath. Um, and I, you know, hope there's forty nine concussions. <laughs> oh God, I love the hate for the for the NFC North. It's my favorite. All right, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Carolina Panthers. Farky, you live in Tampa. What's the Fitz magic like down there? Are people going crazy for this guy again or what? I think the consensus is everyone's happy that there's been an excuse to get rid of Jameis. I don't think everyone's necessarily doing backflips about throwing Mr. 5INT back in there. But once again, he came in last week and, and made some good throws, put up some good numbers. 
um, for fantasy owners, uh, barring any type of nightmare performance like he had that one week, I think that he brings a little bit of oomph back into the offense. He favors Deshaun Jackson, which is just baffling to me that a guy can come out and demand to be traded. Now he's he's good. He's back into the offense, and he's he's going to be targeted. So um, Fitz would be, for me, another a guy that you would pick up concerned off of a bye week for your starter. No, but the question, though, is long-term, is Tampa? Are they done with Jameis Winston? Is he is he done in Tampa? I don't see how he couldn't be. Yeah, I agree. I've def- I defended him. I defended him his, his first two seasons and said he had he had his wide receiver one lead the league in drops, uh, but he's he's too big of a risk taker. And now they have an excuse, kind of like Dorsey had on a much bigger level with with uh, obviously with Winston, same as he's had with uh, Gordon to be able to cut him loose because of. You know, excuse after excuse. So I don't yep. see how they keep him around. Yep, I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, Sean, Carolina Panthers, they're starting to look really tough. I mean, Cam is not what he was at when he was an MVP. He still sells balls all the time. But is this team a real threat in the NFC? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, they play defense. I, I think the emergence of DJ Moore has been critical because now you've got a DJ Moore at Funches. Olsen's slow and looks slow, but now he's a, a third, fourth option, really, when you factor in McCaffrey in the passing game. I still still think they are rail thin from a, from a depth perspective. They can't have McCaffrey get dinged up at all because of how vital mm-hmm. he is to giving them some kind of, you know, dynamic aspect of their offense and game-breaking. Uh, but DJ Moore helps that a lot. Um, and, and, I mean, to put it bluntly, they missed on Chris Samuel and a, and a couple of these other guys that they thought would kind of fill some of these voids or offer up as alternatives or additional weapons. So, offensively, yeah, they can do that. Can they protect enough for Cam? That, that's the other concern or watch out. Um, and it, it will be a, an interesting test in coming weeks. I don't know that you'll get that with this Tampa Bay defense this week. So, if you got them, I think you're playing – if not all of them, but a lot of them. Greg Olson has turned into a reliable start the past two weeks. Uh, we mentioned his first week back, he looked slow. I thought last week he looked a little bit quicker. Fully recovered from that foot injury. So obviously he was being drafted as a TE1 uh, this summer, and now it looks like he's fully back. So I have no reservations with starting him this week. With that being said, he'll probably break his foot on the first play because I finally put him in my starting lineup. Uh, that's just how my season's going so far. I know you all feel so, so bad for me. But uh, Greg Greg Olson must start this week. Uh, next, next game we want to talk about, Houston Texans at the Denver Broncos. Demarius Thomas revenge game. Okay, not really. Um, but, you know, again, I mentioned in the opening we talked about the trade for from Demarius from the Broncos to the Texans. I really think that this Texans offense is starting to get going. And Farkey, a guy that we were high on um, in the middle of the year who really wasn't doing much is Lamar Miller. In the past two weeks, he's looked like an RB1. I don't expect that to continue, but do you think he still has his high-end RB2 value this week against the Broncos? Well, the Denver D, well, run defense specifically has been improved. So as an RB2, I think he's okay to play there. Uh, but, yeah, we we kind of said, give it some time, give it some time, and he has popped the last couple weeks. So uh, as long as they're going to give him the carries, uh, which I think this week is another safe week because 
as Sean mentioned, Demarius Thomas is, is a little bit of a risk here after you know being a predictable usage in Denver and still not putting up numbers. We have no no idea what his usage is going to be this week. So I think that uh, Lamar Miller is still a safe RB too. Sean, anybody you're keeping an eye on in this game? Um, no. I mean, the standard ones other than that, no, nothing. All righty. All right, so uh, Case Keenum is still the starter, yeah, because uh, Swag Kelly decided to get really drunk at a party and then stroll into somebody's uh, <laughs> house randomly and get beat up with a... It wasn't even a, a nice uh, house. It was some shithole house. Like, yeah. Uh, real goofy. <laughs> what a move by him, huh? What a, what a guy. Surprised, surprised he hasn't, been, hasn't picked up by... Uh, Buffalo yet though with the whole Jim Kelly connection. Maybe Jim Kelly's like, listen, you you don't want this idiot. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'll say, I I would like to see Cortland Sutton step up. Uh, I was just gonna ask where where are you guys starting Cortland Sutton this week? Right, I'm starting I'm starting him everywhere I can. Um, I actually picked him up in a ten team league in a in a league where I was down a wide receiver with Tyler Boyd and Odell Beckham both on a bye. Picked up uh, Cortland Sutton starting him this week. I have. Decent amount of confidence that he'll put up about 10 to 12 points, which is what I'm looking for. Uh, he's my number one waiver wire pickup this week. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy to start him. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts? Would you be starting him? This oh, absolutely. I, him, DJ Moore, like the aforementioned, Sutton's an automatic start. Um, and I think he gets a lot of, I think, six-plus catches this week. Because they're going to be throwing because they're going to be getting the shit kicked out of him. Sean, I have a question for you here between two players. I asked really uh, last week offline. It came up as a question to me from my brother-in-law. Standard league, who scores more fantasy points the remainder of the year, Stefan Diggs or Philip Lindsay? Mm. I think you have to go Diggs. I actually think the Diggs. Thalen thing could, could work out in the benefit where, you know, Diggs, he, he's been a – sneaky strong play here the last few weeks in particular so i i think you have to play it that way and sooner or later freeman it's going to be a real share there and if they bench keenan all hell's going to break loose and luke you like Lindsay the rest of the season right i do i i like Lindsay. um I just think that with him, you know what he's going to put up each week. I think you expect 12 to 13 points. If he scores a touchdown, he's, he's flirting with 20 points. With Diggs, he can go from 30 points to 4 points each week. And I just don't like – I don't like that – I don't like that low floor, high ceiling player. I want a high floor, lower ceiling guy each week, every week, especially with a guy that I don't expect. I don't I don't need a guy like Philip Lindsay to get me 25 points a game. I need him to get me 12 to 15 points a game to win each week. If he gets 20, that's awesome. If he doesn't, no sweat. So – Personally, I'm going to roll Lindsay nine times out of ten there. All right. All right. Los Angeles Chargers at Seattle Seahawks. Sean, you mentioned Seattle's still somewhat sneaky good, and that defense is pretty solid. I don't know how they keep on doing it, especially at home, but that defense keeps on making plays even without Earl Thomas, no Richard Sherman, no Michael Bennett. Uh, they're just bringing guys like Frank Clark, um, I can't even name half the guys in their defense anymore because the Legion of Boom is no more. The Griffin uh, brothers, like? man. The Griffin brothers. They Shaq got healthy. Him? They got healthy. So, so, Sean, the Chargers are one of those teams where everybody had high hopes for them per usual coming into the season. 
Now they head into uh, Seattle. Is this a, a, a trap game for them, possibly? Well, they're coming off a bye, and, and they've actually been outstanding. Um, you know, this is way ahead of where they typically are. Right around now is when they get into this win now, win out the rest of the, the season type situation. So they're actually much better positioned. I think they're they're right there on the cusp between the, I think there's the New England, Pittsburgh, Kansas City in that grouping. And then I think the Chargers are kind of hovering right there. I like them significantly more than I like the Texans. I still put the Texans kind of with the Colts and kind of that, that next wave down, you know, even a gap there. So with the Bengals probably in there, maybe Baltimore as well. So I like where the Chargers are. I think, you know, they get a chance. The question is, is will uh, Melvin Gordon play? If not, you know, how's that kind of alter things offensively? But uh, I look for the Chargers to start to make a little bit of a push. And sooner or later, you got to think they're going to get Bosa back. And when they do, that defense will be able to shift into another gear, which will help their offense even more. Farkey, let's talk Seattle. What are your thoughts on them? I'd like to introduce to you Mr. RB1, Chris Carson. <laughs> I, outside of our normal group chats, the one thing I bitch to you every week about one-on-one is Chris Carson and mm-hmm. his usage. Three mm-hmm. straight weeks, 100 yards. If you watch those games, which I don't – I don't know if many people focus much on the Seattle games. I watched that entire game last week. That dude runs hard. He's more agile than people think he is. He needed the volume, and he has done everything he's had to do to make a statement for that coach to finally get his head out of his ass and give Mm -hmm. that man touches. Hand up, Farkey. You were right. I was wrong. I was saying Rashad Penny's going to be the guy. It just Chris Carson, you actually put it to me perfectly in the text last week. Chris Carson has made um, Pete Carroll look stupid for for using a first round pick on Rashad Penny, and you know, that's maybe the way to he... Luke's heart. Anything that insults somebody <laughs> that had a tie to a Patriots type Super Bowl, that Luke can then <laughs> pivot it back to the Patriots. That's how you actually manipulate Luke. That's how I've always Good felt point. and learned. Good point. Good point. Yeah. No, I, I won't disagree with that. Um, no, I mean, look at it. Chris Carson's just been, and, and also too, my thing with him going into the coming to the draft season for us uh, for our fantasy drafts was, you watch Chris Carson in the preseason. He did not look good. He was running to people's backs. He had no vision whatsoever. His agility did not look good. His speed did not look good. And and I have watched a few games, uh, a few drives from the the Seahawks on red zone. And he has looked fast and quick and decisive. And obviously that's making a huge difference with a below a subpar offensive line. So as long as he keeps that up, you know, for, for people like you, Fark, you took the risk on him and, and, and held on to him, you're going to be rewarded for that. And he has been a top 15 running back the past few weeks, and I see no reason why they're going to go away from him, especially as Doug Baldwin gets more healthy and the passing game opens things up. Uh, Tyler Lockett continues to be a weapon on that offense. Uh, as long as those guys, and even David Moore, the third wide receiver, who's kind of stepped up out of nowhere and forced the uh, the, the Seahawks to cut Brandon Marshall today. Um, as long as that passing game gets going, the running lanes will be open, and Chris Carson will continue to be an RB1 moving forward. So kudos to you, Farkey. Uh, how, much longer, how much longer is Eckler an RB2? Eckler? Yep. Um, good point. I tried trading to Sean today, but that got turned down real quick. Um... <laughs> It's it's volume based with him. I mean, if you look at that Browns game, the Browns game, he didn't even touch the ball till the fourth quarter, and when he touched the ball, he was putting up seven eight yards uh, a carry or, or a reception. So, 
he's he's gonna be very volatile. I I, I don't know. I, I can't answer that question because it's it really game flow dictated. And even when he started last week, uh, when Melvin Gordon was out, he couldn't put up the numbers that I expected him to uh, to put up. So uh, I don't have an answer for you on that one, unfortunately. All right. All right. Los Angeles Rams at New Orleans Saints. Sean, who you starting this week? <laughs> who don't you start in this game? Uh, I mean, that's just a fact of the matter. If Cup comes back, I think you plug him right back in. You know, I think even a guy like Josh Reynolds, if if Cup doesn't play, he's got to be a start. Um, I just think it's this has got you know entertainment similar to Packers Rams last week. Um, the next game we'll talk about. These are the type of of, of games that are really, really um, enjoyable to watch, and hopefully it lives up to billing. I love this spot for the Saints, by the way, too. Yeah, at home against the Rams, a team that's, you know, they're, they're, they're due to lose eventually. They have to lose. They're not going to go 16-0. I know that McVay's done a great job with that offense, and the defense is filthy. I just don't think they're going to go 16-0. But, Farkey, I'm looking at the other, other side of the ball. The Saints, that running back situation, you know, Mark Ingram still got 15, 16 touches last week, but is he a touchdown-dependent RB2, or do you feel comfortable starting him every week? Absolutely. You, you took my take here. He's he's somebody that needs consistent scoring opportunities, and if he doesn't get those, then that volume isn't going to hold for what somebody's expecting out of him or where they've got him placed in their lineup and needs. So, uh, yeah, he, he has to have scoring opportunities. He hasn't had them. So until you see them make more of a commitment to him in those situations, then I, I would be very wary. Yeah, sadly, he's my RB1 this week against you because Leonard Fournette is still a broke-back bitch, even though he's on a bye this week. Well, what, did I, what did I tell you about Fournette? Yes. What did yeah, I, I know, tell I know. you? Every week, okay, I'm just going to keep – I'm just actually start sending you – his, uh, you know, out status for every game, and I'll, I'll remind I'll remind you that your team is in the cellar right now, and you won't have to remind, remind me because I'll be just as pissed about that. <laughs> but if I'm right about something, I've got to gloat this year. I I, to, I can't stand what's happened with fantasy this year. There's some of the stupidest <laughs> things that played themselves out. Tight ends are I, useless. It doesn't. Make it sucks. Sense. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I, I made Sean an offer. Uh, this morning, and he just responded with "Fantasy football sucks." So give us it wasn't that it was not fantasy football sucks. It was something else derogatory dealing with sucks. (laughs) (laughs) The the offer was uh, so. So and then you texted me, and I was like, "Yeah, I know. I was just being a dick." (laughs) Sean, it was a uh, it was I offered him uh, Cam Newton and um, Austin Eckler for Treat Cohen and Andrew Luck. Because he only has Andrew Luck. Um, he picked up Ryan Fitzpatrick to be a starter this week. And I figured Cam Newton going against Tampa Bay could be a solid option for him. And that was shot down within five minutes. And, again, it was a solid offer. Sean, I think, thought about it for a second. No, I didn't think about it even <laughs> remotely for a second. I, but I, it was it, the offer was fine. It, I Trust me, from Nick Vern and some of these other clowns, I get a hell of a lot worse offers. But Doug Martin. I'll put it this way: There's somebody could have sent me like, um, they would trade me. Uh, I don't know who's a, who's some Julio Jones for Demarius Thomas, and I probably still would have shot it down this morning. That's the type of move that I was in. So, Farky, you still there? I'm here. All right. So it sounds like we lost Luke. So that's better. We can actually fly through this. Um, 
the best is is we get to actually touch on the game that is near and dear to Luke, Packers <coughs> at Patriots. Um, you know, I know Luke's venting and bitching. I, I watched a little of that Buffalo game. Gronk actually was open sometimes. Brady played awful in that game, or at least that was my opinion on it. And they definitely miss Sony Michelle. The inability to run, and when he's on the field, the, like when James White, it tells one particular thing. So um, I think they they vitally have to have him back and ready. I think that spells trouble from a fantasy perspective because they might sit him periodically through the playoff season in fantasy so that he's ready for the real playoffs uh, when it actually matters for them. So, Farky, what's your thoughts on that um, and or you know the Packers? I agree with you on Gronk. They they definitely missed him in situations that have people looking at this game. What is going on with Gronk? Uh, I'm on the flip side. I don't think there's anything wrong. Brady played bad. He uh, took full responsibility for it, as we would expect. Uh, the only thing that really concerns me about Gronk that I saw is that just two of 38 red zone passes have come his way this season. So uh, very, very untypical of that situation that they've had over there in, in years past. But that's because they have so many weapons out of the backfield, for one. Uh, the other part of the Patriots offense, Sony Michelle. Uh, it's another guy that, at least I said from the beginning of the season, I want to see him get through the season healthy. And that, that's where he's been. He's been like a ping pong ball, back and forth, back and forth, healthy down, healthy down. So what what are you truly going to be able to depend on him from week to week? We've, we've seen Sean, seen flashes, but, you know, if he can't stay on the field, what are they going to do? Now, on the flip side, I like Aaron Jones, especially with them taking Ty Montgomery completely out of the equation, frees up more space for him. Um, Jamal Williams, he seems to be getting some short scoring opportunities, but he's not playing enough snaps to really worry me. So guys like the Monday Night Man who invested heavily in Aaron Jones, I think they can um, continue to count on him. Uh, maybe Jimmy Graham's a pretty good play here. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I like a lot of that, and I, I think you have to continue. This is a game it has to be must win for the Packers. Um, they lose this game, and with what their schedule still looks like, it's hot seat time for Mr. McCarthy. It's probably long overdue, so um, you know something to certainly watch there. Isn't it hot seat time for Mike McCarthy? Just about oh, every single year, back. it comes great. In. Oh, <laughs> I don't think we, I don't we think almost I, got out. Of we this are literally done. We're done with this game. All right, can we talk about uh, Kenyon Barner not doing anything last week no. or Cordero no, Patterson? No, we're not talking about <laughs> Kenyon Barner. This is that's, I know. That's uh, yeah, I don't know if I, I must prior. Are the Patriots targeting uh, wide receivers? I don't know why they are. If they are, allegedly they are. I don't know why they are. It still pisses me off about that report. But then again, Josh Gordon, to Sean's point, was supposed to be benched, and he didn't get benched. So the the new conspiracy theory here is that Belichick knows he has a mole in his uh in his oh my trust. god, to that is. Gosh, that's, that's the hot take going on. In, Christ, that's you guys, the hot take. you you pricks are insufferable right now. Oh oh, my god. oh we're insufferable. We're insufferable. How about how about the Tony Grossi going on and saying that Hugh Jackson's not getting fired and and uh, you don't pay any attention to Tony Grossi except yeah. to wait for his yeah, takes. So yeah, you just him. brought up somebody that's comical. We this podcast actually exists because of Cleveland takes, at least from the <laughs> Cleveland side, that we were tired of hearing stale ass nonsense. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, let's get the Monday night in honor of the All Monday right. night oh. man. I'll his, tell you what, his, this his Monday night boys. game barn burner. Them boys, Tennessee Titans going to Dallas. Amari Cooper's debut as a Dallas Cowboy. Sean, 
Is is Zamari Cooper a start this week? Yeah, he's a start. I told you they're gonna force the prick the ball. He's not very good, but whatever. <laughs> We're gonna get Jason Garrett clapping on the sidelines. They're gonna easily win this game. You know, barring um, barring Mariota actually looking good, which would would be few and far between. But uh, this Cowboys should be able to handle this. Hopefully, they got healthy over the bye week and Zeke has a big game. This has got like twenty to ten written all over it. Total yeah. snoozer and and way too much Witten and Boog and uh, Tessitore. So hit the have the mute button ready, out of the gate. I'm not one to criticize uh, announcing crews all that much. You say this really every week I, now as you're. As I don't you pay attention. The I don't pay attention, but they are the only crew that they suck and it's noticeable. And I can't stand it every single time. I'm, I mean, they, they they ruined the Monday night game for me last week. The Patriots versus the Bills. I mean, did you know? Hey guys, guys, question. Did you know that Derek Anderson was playing golf two weeks ago? Because they mentioned it fifteen freaking times, and it's nauseating how bad they are. And it's just, it's amazing that this is the premier job in broadcasting, and this is the crew they have. Like I want, I like Jason Witten, likable guy. I want him to be good, but he's so terrible at his job. Booger McFarland sucks. Chesator is one of the worst announcers I've ever heard. Uh, he's just corny and bad. The one, but, the one thing I will miss about that crew is every week looking forward to Booker sitting in that lift on the sideline. <laughs> wait, wait, what do you, what do you mean you're gonna miss? I'm not reading they're getting let go. Are you guys? I'd love to see that article, but like my take was, I've not heard enough about how big of a disaster. I think they've been so bad and they've been so heavily criticized throughout the season. I see no way they bring back this crew as is next season. There's no does, chance. Does Jason Witten get excited about anything? He's everything is like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, well he's him and Romo. They're all they're annoying as hell. Yeah. These guys didn't realize you have to go to the lower ranks and get tons of reps. Like Collinsworth mm-hmm. is, at times becomes a little insufferable for me, but he started out working like the sixth crew on like Fox. And he just right. slowly worked his way up, and he got HBO reps, and he got like you. These guys are just shoehorning it into at the top, and it's a disaster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the game real quick. Uh, this is not. This is just not a good slate for primetime games. Obviously, I'm excited about the the Patriots and the Packers on Sunday night, but Monday night football is gonna be terrible. And obviously, we mentioned Thursday night football is going to be. That's an why. Joke. That's why. And we'll get on this college pod, right, Farky? The Maction is in full force. There's a big game right happening right now, no doubt. <laughs> All right, so anybody on the Titans side of the ball, Farky, that you're willing to start this week? No. If you have Marcus Mariota, Derrick Henry, or Corey Davis in must-play situations, kill yourself. That's that's my take <laughs> on the Tennessee starts. What about Deion Lewis? Are you going to kill yourself or just going to maim yourself? Somewhere in between. Dallas is only – they're allowing under 80 yards rushing per game to backfield. So they actually have a pretty good defense. Uh, I think the Dallas defense is a must-start here. Uh, But, no, Deion Lewis maybe, but you're not – I wouldn't expect too much. All right, Farky and Sean, I want you to answer this as well. Who would you start this week? I'm facing uh, the task of starting Mark Ingram or Deion Lewis this week. Which way would you lean? Ingram. Yes. Okay. All right. There you go. Sean, any other thoughts about this game before we wrap it up? No. Okay. So, uh, real quick before we, we we break off here, I do want to get your thoughts on a trade that went down in our Dynasty League tonight. 
Um, finger licking W's. Mike, who writes our articles on Saturdays, and before we get into it, shout out to Mike. Congratulations to him and his wife. Uh, just had a baby boy. What did he name? Day, yesterday. Uh, Sebastian Volmer. No, Mike. Mike's <laughs> no, a Buffalo Buff- fan, right? No, Mike's a uh, Mike's a Patriots fan. Oh, um, and and Farky, you can't use the same oh, joke Butler. about. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say we talked about that last week. About no, that, that was no, daughter. that was that, that was Butler. That was Butler. So oh, we had two okay. kids in two weeks. And this is my brother-in-law, so their son will actually be related to my daughter. So, yeah. we'll stay away from the incest Ooh, joke. But they um, called, uh, yeah, they called it a gangbang. Oh my god! Oh god! But congratulations to Mike. <laughs> um, anyways, he gave up Jameis Winston in a second-round pick in the dynasty league. So, second-round pick in the rookie draft next year, and it's going to be a late second-round pick for Dak Prescott. Uh, Sean, what side of that trade wins? I wouldn't have given up the pick. I, I didn't really. I guess he had to do it. I I don't know why. I I would have thought like that'd be a fine fine enough straight up trade. Like, you know, those are in the teens quarterbacks. Maybe one year one's back end of the top ten. Next year the other one will be. I. That's a fine trade and everything. Winston's going to end up going to a spot that's going to be a hell of a lot better. I. I think Winston needed to get out of Florida. Now, the funny thing is, is he might end up at Jacksonville or something, but I think he needed to get out of Florida, and I think he needs to go someplace where he really gets kind of cultivated from from a, a, a different offensive mind and one that's that's less demanding. I mean, it'll never work because him and Vegas would be a disaster, but him and Gruden <laughs> would be actually an interesting pairing. Mm-hmm. Farky, what do you think? Yeah, I probably wouldn't have given up the pick either. But then again, you know, coming from uh, the BTC in that league with uh, my co-owner, Rue, uh, we, we don't worry too much about uh, future draft picks. We're here to win now. So you'll see us in trades just, you know, getting rid of those third-round picks. Well, I'm making an official picks. right now, and I know there was discussions, and it's going to be tougher for the Ohio side. But, but Rob Gronkowski and members of the Zebros roster are fully on sale, other than – a few key pieces for next year. Everybody has a price. It's very Ted DiBiase-esque right now. In I the, heard. Uh, I, I got, a, I got a, offices. I, I got a text from the Monday Night Man before. Uh, actually, as we were logging onto the pod, saying you interested in. Well, and here's so. the flip side of this. You can remember early in the season, Matt Ryan. I got the "I'm done with him" text, uh, <laughs> and we see how that worked out. So uh, it might be an opportune time to strike on. Uh, on yeah. our business and, and, and kind of pillaging us further and kicking um, both of the, the brothers when they're down. Opening offer, second round pick and Kyle Rudolph. We lost for three games by less than, I think, three points this year, which is really neat. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. That's always fun. All right, gentlemen, as always, it's been fun. Um, we'll be getting you guys ready for week 10 as we look forward to uh, recording that podcast next week. Uh, but in the meantime, of course, follow us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Facebook, Never Ending Glory Podcast. We have a blog, www.negpodcast.com. You can check that out. And then as Sean alluded to and Farky alluded to, we do have a college podcast. Follow them on Twitter at NEGPodCFB as that season winds down. Um, we're looking forward to those hot takes from you two, Shill, and the one and only Memphis Matt. We, got, so, we had some monster weeks. Um the last couple weeks so if you haven't followed you need to follow because we're actually starting to battle back we're all we back around 500 now and the pod bets there and and you know last year's bowl season i think we went something like 19 and three so um 
maybe we're getting geared up for a nice, nice playoff push here as well. As long as we get that that those episodes released, that's all we need. That's yeah, we need. we'll that's have just... to get that. So well, there's one hanging out there, just waiting to be released. But... <laughs> we know we know our producer won't listen to this, so he won't get mad at us. That's but right. um, yeah, maybe, maybe just maybe the content that we put out will be produced, so we can help grow this thing into something. But we'll see. All right, gentlemen, good luck this week. Except for you, Farky, I hope I beat you by about forty points this week. Uh, good but luck. Sean. You know, uh, I actually kind of hope that you win, so we can hear about Farky coming in last place this season. And I did pay my. Well, I you did guys pay are gonna my have bet. to start rooting for me because I'm gonna start bailing on these if I keep losing. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I'm just gonna quit. I did pay my bet to the nine nine er, lost to him by six points, hundred bucks. That was one of the oh. uh, draft bets that's on the slate. <laughs> I don't even remember that one. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot I don't, I don't remember from draft weekend. So hey, All right, I want to be the one leading this parade. Add Josh Adams to your lineup. Okay, there you go. Close close it with that, Sparky. Give us one more and close it that way. One more? One more. Just close it. Add Eagles running back Josh Adams to your lineup. All right, we're out. Talk to you guys next week. Later. Later.